The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome back to another episode. This is episode number 179, 179 on the podcast, and hopefully you had a fantastic week. Hopefully you plan on having a fantastic weekend, whatever those adventures may endure for you. However, I am sitting here a little on the tired side. I haven't had my C4 yet. Today's flavor... If we're going to make this a segment, which we probably won't, but just since we've been talking about it the past couple weeks, um, was it the blueberry bombsicle, I believe it is? That's came in the two-pack from BJ's. It was the strawberry watermelon ice, and then I believe the blueberry bombsicle is the other one. Anyway, it's not sponsored, obviously, but I figured I would just kind of piggyback off of a conversation from last episode. But... Wow, is it windy outside? Driving in, my truck is just, you know, shaking back and forth. It's freezing outside. Holy smokes. Um, Now the weather is starting to really pick up and start to feel more like winter, I guess is the the lingo that we could use. I'm not really exactly sure. But I do come bearing an excellent piece of news, and I'm very excited to share. I'm not exactly sure when I made this announcement last year. However, this time last year, once the Super Bowl concluded, like the week after, so I, you know, I was able to discuss about it on, you know, Merv's Boston Sports Talk, I decided to go for a season break and, you know, go on for like a six-week break and just really pick things back up. I think it was April 1st. However, not going to do that this time around. I'm going to sit down and buckle through it. I want to talk to you guys all throughout the month of February, when the Super Bowl's over, talking about the Celtics, talking about the Bruins, uh, what are the spring training truck for the Red Sox? Uh, did I depart yesterday or the day before? I don't know how far behind I am. I think I actually departed maybe on Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure. I know I'm a little behind. But spring training for the Boston Red Sox is on the horizon. Pitchers and catchers are reporting very, very soon, and it is absolutely exciting. However, when the Super Bowl is over, I cannot wait to dive into, again, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, and spring training, and, of course, draft season. Oh, I'm so excited. Not fantasy football, 
which maybe some people expected, which, you know what, never too early to do some mock drafts, I guess, but the NFL draft, the 2023 NFL draft, where we're going to see lives changed and hopefully teams changed for the better, or maybe in some teams' cases the worst. But it is an exciting time. I can't wait to really dive into it with mock drafts, speculations, and this and that. It is an exciting time as we embark in the month of February, turn the page into March, and of course, deep into the spring as we endure into April. But with all that out of the way, I always, you know, like to mention at the top of the episode, hopefully you had a fantastic week, you know, hopefully you have some plans for the weekend. Well, I just want to talk about a plan that I have for this weekend. Why not? I think it's a nice little little subject to talk about. So as you guys know, Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, I like to set up at shows as frequent as I can. If I could do it every week, I would absolutely love to. And this weekend, I have the Coventry show. It's the Cranston Car Show, but it's in Coventry at the Coventry High School. It's hopefully, I think, like a 200-table show, 150 to 200 tables, I believe. It's Rhode Island's longest-running card show, and I'm very excited to be part of it. I went to it in February, walked around. They had one in October. Heard it was lackluster, but I was at the Springfield show instead, so I didn't get to experience that. However, this one typically is the same weekend as the Super Bowl. However, since the Super Bowl uh, is a week later than in years past because of the NFL's extra week in the regular season, it this the the lineup just doesn't work out. So very excited for this weekend. It is going to be a busy, busy weekend. Uh, show starts at eight thirty. I want to get there at like seven thirty to set up, maybe even before. I'm gonna have to get up at like five five thirty tomorrow, and I am not looking forward to that. And listen, there may be some people that that listen to Murph's Boston Sports Talk and be like, Murph, five five thirty? Come on, I wake up at like four every day. It's like, listen, I <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I really would. And I, I know when I, you know, in the military, you wake up at like 6.15 or maybe 6.45, I think it is, every day. It's like, oh, hey, I wish I could. I wish I could. And I told myself, and I told Mrs. Murph this, once the football season's over, done, poof, Super Bowl and everything, I would like to go to bed no later than 10 o'clock and wake up no later than like 8 o'clock. That's 10 hours of sleep right there. And I think that's totally doable. I think that's extremely doable. I just paused the, I know I'm completely changing gears. You know, it like very, very, uh, I don't even know what the word is. But I'm looking at, you know, the the sound waves on my recording system. I, I am seeing a little bit of feedback. I don't know if that's from the heat that's on or if that's from the, the guys over next door at the barbershop talking. I know... They can be a little loud sometimes. I, I don't think that's the feedback. The heat just turned off, so I'm going to be silent for a second to see if that was the feedback. Okay, maybe it was the heat because there's no more feedback now and the heat just turned off. So whatever. All right, let's actually dive into something meaningful. I know you guys want to you know, hear me talk about this, talk about that. I want to talk about the Celtics. Yeah, ooh, the Celtics. I really want to dive into the Celtics today because as great of a start they had to start the season, I've done some math. I've done some math in terms of their record and how they've been playing and what we could potentially expect as the second half nearingly rolls around. Now, the All-Star break isn't for another week or so. I think it's two weeks, actually. However, I'm obviously going to talk about the Celtics in today. 
because they are playing the Phoenix Suns tonight, 7.30 at the Garden. And I'm very excited for that because, you know, Suns, I do strongly believe they're a good team all in all, but, you know, they're just hitting a rough patch. However, remember at the beginning of the season when the Celtics had this crazy start to the season? I think they were like, well, I don't want to say crazy, but they were like 5-3 and three or whatever, and then they just shot off. One like 10 in a row, one like another 10 in a row. And I sat down, did the math, and they've played currently 52 total games this year as of today, not including the inevitable Suns game that they're going to be playing later tonight. Through t- uh, through yesterday, they've played 52 games. And in those 52 games, they are 37-15, and 15, currently two games up on the Milwaukee Bucks, three games up on the Philadelphia 76ers for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. In a vacuum, that's pretty good. That's exactly where you want to be. However, and I've been saying this all year long, I am super hesitant to buy into this team. Super duper duper hesitant to buy into this team. But Murph, why? They're in first place. They've won all these games. Da, 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 da. Fantastic. That's really good. And yes, you can't say that this team is inexperienced because that's not true. They have they have experience. However, they are still young albeit they have Al Horford, but <laughs> that's besides the point. My big takeaway from predominantly the first half of the season, you know, just, you know, game played wise, it's more than the first half, but I guess the all-star break hasn't rolled around just yet. So from the beginning of the season to December 9th through December 9th, they were 21-5. and five. Now, I don't know how that compares to the right. I don't know what the Bucks were doing on December 9th, what the Sixers doing on December 9th, but they were in first place. They've been in first place ever since they, they claimed that spot way back when. But they are 21-5. and five. Very, very good. Very, very formidable record. Since then, since December 9th, they are 16-10. and 10. Now, again, in a vacuum, 16 and 10, you'll take it, right? But when you're starting off 21 and 5 in your first 26 games, and then in your next 26 games, you go 16 and 10. And now, to some people, 21 and 5 wasn't sustainable. And I strongly believe that. 21 and 5 was not sustainable. 16 and 10, winning, you know, two games for every one loss. I guess you'll take that, right? But everyone was just high horse in the Celtics. Oh, it's this year. Oh, da, 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 the best team in the league. Look at them. Look at that. And I can think of a few people who've said that. And they had every right to say that. And I just sat here like, yep, yeah, they're fun to watch. Good team. Yep. Yeah, you know, I want to see more. I want to see how they face adversity. They just came off a three-game losing streak. They beat the, the Lakers in overtime on a questionable non-foul call. Then they just blew the doors off the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. But still, though, to significantly reg- – I don't, I don't know if you want to call it significantly regressing when you go 16-10. and 10, But when you come off a 21-5, and 5, it, it looks like a significant regression, if I'm being completely honest. My point is, is this Celtics team built for a championship run? Is this Celtics team oh, – the Heat just turned back on. So if you hear a little kind of humming noise in the background, it's the Heat. But is this Celtics team built for a championship run? We saw it last year. 
in this year, it's predominantly the same team with the exception of the Malcolm Brogdon addition this year. So just in a vacuum, your team is better this year than it was last year. Just in a straight vacuum. Now there's rumors Danilo Gallinari could come back this year. And listen, if he does, that's great. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Because even if he does, how good is he going to be? And how serviceable will he be to your championship run? you got a lot lot of good mojo right now, and you really don't want to ruin it. But I think any help would be help. So that bears the question. i got to find out when exactly the trade deadline is. NBA trade deadline. Is oh look at that it's a week from yesterday, so the Celtics have less than a week, or Brad Stevens has less than a week, to potentially make some moves, and I can't wait for next week's episode because hopefully we can sit here and talk about some moves that the Celtics did make, or at least the moves around the NBA. But as we sit here right now, where could the Celtics improve? Is it guards? Is it forwards? Is it big men? I mean, I guess you could argue draft capital, but I mean, I don't think really no one cares about draft capital right now when you're first place in the Eastern Conference more than halfway through the season. And obviously, I'd say the blatant one is center. Big man, right? You got Al Horford, you got Rob Williams, you got Luke Cornett. Al Horford, age, is a factor. Doesn't show it at times, but it is a factor. And it's something that you're going to have to worry about. And it's something that you may have to manage per se rob williams and his knee or just how about rob williams in general could become an issue very seemingly very injury prone but he's such a force when he's on the field on the field oh my god on the court talking too much football basketball is played on a field apparently so when i look at the celtics and those two guys i like rob williams love hal horford I think that's a great one-two punch at your four-five, your you know center position. However you want to dice it up. Then you got Luke Cornett, who's serviceable. He'll give you you know some good minutes every every night. You know five to ten minutes, whatever you need him to do. But if anything was to happen to Horford or Williams, which is possible, a lot of those minutes that they would be playing is going to go elsewhere, and Luke Cornett's probably the first person you're looking to. And this is nothing against Luke Cornett. It's just then you. Luke Cornett has his own role, and then you're going to have to diminish that role. It's just you need to prepare yourself. And as the league has gone smaller in terms of positionalist basketball, we've got guards playing forwards and forwards playing centers and point guards playing forward, whatever. It's just like, you know, you don't want Jalen Brown playing at four. You don't want Tatum playing the five and, and such like that, which I guess in certain situations is fine. If you're just in a vacuum, that's not really what you, not ideal. So I think the number one thing for the Celtics is a big man. Now, who could that big man be? Listen, I don't know who's available right now. I haven't really dug deep into it. But that's the first position I think of is big man. Now, what is it going to cost you? What are you going to have to give up? Well, Peyton Pritchard you know, was on the what was it, the Point Forward podcast, I think. I heard this on Friday. What was it with Iguodala and Evan Turner talking about how he wants to be, you know, he wants to be an actual, you know, player for a team and have a big role and such like that and he doesn't know what the next five to ten years looks like yada 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 so is trading a Peyton Pritchard going to field you a good return in terms of what you're looking for in a big man possibly 
I don't know what the Celtics draft pick situation looks like right now, but obviously that's on the table. That's been on the table for Derek White. That was on the table for Malcolm Brogdon. And it's going to be on the table for potentially adding another piece. But then when you talk about trading and adding to this team, or just the team in general, really, you have to obviously consider chemistry. That's a real thing. When Derek White came here, took him a little bit, but he fit right in just nice. Malcolm Brogdon got traded in the offseason, so he had time to gel, but he seems like a, excuse me, he seems like a nice uh, fit to this team. So it doesn't happen overnight. There is a little bit of, you know, time that takes for a new player to gel. And when you look at this team right now, as they currently stand 37 and 15, two games up, three games up on the teams behind them. You have to expect and anticipate those two teams and others are going to make trades to help bolster their rosters. And you should probably too. However, you have to consider the team chemistry at that point. Just because there's a player out there that's going to make your team better but it could ruin your chemistry does not mean it's a great move for your team. It's something you need to proceed with caution. And I think this is, you know, an aspect of team building and roster management and obviously GMing that kind of goes over the heads of a lot of people is just because there's a player X out there and you can get them for super cheap, whether it's free agency or even trading for that matter, doesn't mean he's a good fit for this team or that team. Doesn't mean he's a good fit for that team, this team, whatever team. Derek White came from the Popovich system, was a good fit. Malcolm Brogdon, you know, he was a starter basically his whole career, and now he's taking a six-man role. He, he's he's like a epitome of a good Celtics player. So it's like you've been lucky enough to strike gold on a couple of moves and a couple of different players, and it worked out. And it's just that doesn't always happen. That's not going to be the case every single time. So when I look at the trade deadline and I'm looking at the Celtics, of course, this team is led by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You have your veterans, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. But what is truly best for this team? Yes, of course, you could look at big man. Yes, you could always use, you know, bench scoring. You know, right now your bench is, uh, I guess, oftentimes it's going to be like a, a Grant Williams, a Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, well, I can't think of his name. Well, I can't think of his name. Oh, yeah, you got Luke Cornett. Peyton Pritchard like is that enough though is the inevitable or potential return of a Danilo Gallinari going to be enough is that going to help you he's not a big man but he's a big forward who can shoot and who can defend a little bit it's just I don't want to see the Celtics I hate I hate when you know teams do this you know the Red Sox are prone to this Celtics did it out eight years ago when Avery Bradley was injured and he came back is we have a guy injured right now not on our team and we've been doing so well without him so when he comes back it's like we made an addition at the deadline and we didn't have to give up any compensation for i i hate that mindset i hate that mindset because whenever you look at a team you're looking at that team for how they are but you're always thinking that you have someone else coming back so why can't you take that next step forward and make a move that separates you from the rest of the league and not only have that returning player from injury, but bring in another player as well. So it's like you're, making, you're acquiring two players or two assets for the price of one. 
it's just, I guess, I'm in a situation where I'm not paid enough to make those decisions or whatever. I just sit here behind a microphone and give you my thoughts about it. So, in a vacuum, am I concerned about the Celtics? No, I'm not. Am I paused to say that they're the best team in the league? Well, yeah. I'm going to be a little paused about that. I think anyone should be. Celtics are on a two-game winning streak, which is nice. They're 7-3 and three in their past 10 games. But then you got the Bucs, who are hot, 8-2 and two in the last 10, on a six-game winning streak. 76ers, 8-2. and two on a, uh, They just won the other night, so they're, on a, um, they're coming off a win. And the rest of the East is, is very middling, if I'm being honest. Very, very middling. However, once the playoffs roll around... You know, you you can really never predict what's going to happen. I mean, yeah, you could probably sit here and say, like, oh, whoever's the home team is going to win. And (laughs) oftentimes that's kind of true, oftentimes. But when it comes to the Celtics potentially having the number one seed, eh, I'm going to be a little little paused in all honesty. And if the Celtics do get – if the Celtics don't get the one seed, I'm going to be very upset be very concerned just because – for the obvious reason. They had this hot start, 21-5. and five. They're coming off a three-game losing streak. They're 16-10 and 10 since December 9th. And, like, listen, teams go up and they go down all the time. I've said this time and time again, whether it's about the Bruins, the Celtics, uh, whoever. You know, the Red Sox over the summer when, you know, they started off slow. It's like, oh, this happens. You know, then they'll heat up. So it, it, it happens. Hot starts, slow starts, um, hot stretches, cold stretches. It happens every year to every team. But I am, I, I'm not concerned. I'm just at pause because I just think this team is so close to breaking. I think they're so fragile. Not emotionally, maybe not physically or spiritually. It's just like... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I don't know. It's hard for me to buy into this team. Like, I know you know Celtics fans always use this analogy, but the 2007, 2008 Celtics, like you just felt that they were going to do something special. You felt that they were going to make a deep run in the playoffs, and you just felt inside that they had a legitimate shot and that they could win the uh, the NBA Finals. Just felt that inside. And like, as fun as this team is to watch. As exciting as they are to watch and as good as they are, like, yeah, I feel that they could go on a deep run. I feel that they could win the NBA Finals. I just don't feel the same way with this team that I did back then. Could it be because the talent across the league is better? Maybe. Than it was then. Or is it just because I've seen this team fall to, uh, fall short too many times? Whether it's one of those trips to the Eastern Conference Finals and they just couldn't finish and get to the finals before last year? Or or are they an, or do I just think they're an injury away? 
Do I think that the magic of Joe Missoula, the interim head coach, as great as a job as he's doing, is, is going to run out of pixie dust? I just I, super, super hesitant to really say Celtics are coming out of the East and they're going to be facing Team X in the uh, in the West and they're going to win or it's going to whatever. Just it, I can't go that far just yet. And again, the team is predominantly similar to what they were last year, except the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. However, a couple things went right for the Celtics last year. Again, you know, Chris Middleton not playing in the Bucks series, Jimmy Butler missing that shot in Game Seven. So it's just like uh, one of those things went wrong for the Celtics. They wouldn't even have made the finals to begin with. So I. I need to be proven wrong. As much as I believe in this team, as much as I want them, and I think they can and they should, I still need to be proven. I don't want to say wrong. I mean, I guess proven wrong is not really the, the term. It's I still need to be shown that I should believe in this team and that I shouldn't have any doubts. And I'm just not there yet. Just not there yet. So that's going to wrap up our basketball discussion. Um, I'm not going to spend too, too much time on it, but Tom Brady obviously retired, if you haven't heard, which I think most people have. Uh, Tom Brady did announce his retirement, was it on Wednesday, I believe it was. And last year, when he made his uh, first retirement, I was a hot mess. I was emotional. I was upset. I was crying. I was like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. Oh my God. Because he still had ball left. He could still play. And listen, he could probably still play going into age 46. He could play next year and be just fine. But, like, you saw a little regression. He still threw for 4,000-something passing yards, whatever. But you could see a little regression. Now, was it him? Was it the team? with the players around him? Uh, whatever. But I, I feel more at peace with his retirement. I really do. Obviously, you want to see him go out on top and into the sunset, da-da-da-da. But... You know, an, an era has ended, and I'm just happy, thankful that I was able to watch it. And I think a lot of people, love him or hate him, you know, say that, I think would say the same thing. You know, you were able to witness greatness, regardless what side of that you're on. You were able to watch history in the record books be rewritten over and over and over again. And just, he's the type of player... You just don't see all too often. You know, you, you look at, like, Willie Mays. You look at Hank Aaron. You look at Michael Jordan, Kobe, you know, Tiger Woods, LeBron, Brady, uh, Babe Ruth. You know, just all across spectrums of sports in the timeline that we know of. And, you know, we could pinpoint athletes who revolutionized the sport, whether you loved them or hate them, whether you rooted for them or you rooted against them. But however, when it's all said and done, you can look back and be like, yeah, you know, I, I, I saw that and I was alive for that. I was a part of that in one way or the other. And, you know, just something you're never going to see someone like Michael Jordan again. You're never going to see, you know, Tiger Woods go what two straight years, whatever, being the number one golfer in the world or whatever that record was that he has. You're never going to see seven Super Bowls again. You're never going to see. Uh, 755 legal home runs it's just unbelievable you know the types of records and the stats that these guys put up and when they're gone and they retire 
they're done. And of course, you know, you can come out of retirement. Jordan did it twice. Brady did it once. Da, 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 da. But typically, a 45-year-old retiring from the game of football, I don't think he's coming back. Well, listen, he did it at 45, so I mean, I guess he could do it. Uh, he did it at 44, so he might do it at 45. Who knows? But it was an absolutely amazing career to watch, and he's getting celebrated and all those flowers. You could even see the emotion, you know, in his eyes, in his voice when he was saying, like, yeah, I, I did it last time, but this last year, but this, this is it. And, you know, this is for good. I'm done. And um, it was it was it was touching. It was really touching, and I'm very happy for him. Hopefully, he's at peace with his decision. And it seems like that he is. So I'm very very excited for the next chapter in Tom Brady's career. However, sticking with football, there's so much. I need to readjust my seat. There's so much to talk about when it comes to sports in the NFL. And I don't really want to dive into the whole Eagles and Chiefs things just yet. I don't really want to dive into that. I'll save that for next week's episode. But there's going to be an absolute quarterback carousel this offseason, one way or the other. Uh, hold on, let me get the list of let me get a list of NFL teams, and I'm just gonna rattle off. I'm just gonna rattle off which one could use a quarterback going into 2023. Arizona Cardinals, because Kyler Murray's ACL injury, uh, potentially, right? You know, Baltimore Ravens potentially, uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, Chicago Bears just committed to Justin Fields, so that's good. Um, I don't think the Cowboys are going to move on from Dak. I really don't. Um, Lions, do they believe in Jared Goff? Seemingly so. Texans going to need one. Packers more than likely. Colts potentially. Uh, no. Vikings maybe. Saints probably. Uh, Raiders. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Dolphins committed to Tua. 49ers, Absolutely. Seahawks, maybe? I don't know if they're going to ride out with Geno Smith again, but let's just throw them on that list. They might draft somebody. Who knows? Uh, let's see. The Jets, Buccaneers, Commanders, and maybe Titans. I mean, I know they took Malik Willis, but, you know, or, or they sold on Malik Willis. My whole stance with the Malik Willis thing is the Titans were in a playoff race. They were in a playoff push. Malik Willis didn't have the experience and was too raw to help them. So that's why they went with Josh Jobs. Just my personal thing. So I counted 15 teams. Almost half of the league could use a quarterback next year. Again, Cardinals could, should, would, whatever. You know, Cardinals, Ravens, Panthers, uh, Texans, Packers, Colts, Vikings, Saints, Raiders, 49ers, Seahawks, Jets, Bucks, Commanders, Titans. And now you could like even make an argument that a team like the um um let's see, even make an argument that the Lions or the Cowboys could use a new quarterback. You could even make an argument that the Falcons, I mean, I know they drafted Desmond Ritter. They seem like they like him. The Commanders did say Sam Howell is going to be their week one quarterback, but are they fully sold on that decision? So, like, I mean, there's, you know, some room to increase the amount of teams and decrease, but let's just call it 15 teams, I think, for the lack of better, you know, just the lack of argument here. There's going obviously, you got the draft, but the quarterback carousel that we're going to see of players on the move, and, of course, there's going to be some shocking, surprising players on the move that we don't know of just yet, like maybe, I don't know, say Lamar Jackson doesn't, you know, sign somewhere else, or let's say Ryan Tannehill gets traded, whatever, you know, odd moves like that. Like, you have 
Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, who I think he played well enough with the Rams to earn another starting job. Kirk Cousins may be on the move. Andy Dalton may be on the move. Matt Ryans may be on the move. I mean, was there seven guys right there? I'm trying to think. There was one more. I can't think of his name. Obviously, Brady's off the market. Uh, Zach Wilson could be on the move even. Again, Ryan Tannehill, Geno Smith maybe, Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's all these guys. Sam Darnold maybe. There's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of names on the board. And again, maybe Dak in a surprising move gets traded. Who knows? So we will see a carousel of quarterback movement. And I'm not going to sit here and predict who's going to go where and who's going to be the week one starter. I mean, that's just way too much because we still have the draft. You know, a team that signs a quarterback in free agency because free agency comes first may not need a draft a quarterback, may not want to. However, they miss out. Well, they might find themselves reaching a little bit on a quarterback. So there's, it's an exciting time. This is why I love the football offseason is because there's so much that could happen. This move could happen. That move could happen. This could be done. That could be done. So, you know, we can't really hold our breath at all and and say that teams are going to look similar next year as they do this year because that's absolutely not true. Where football, specifically the offense, but typically football teams in general revolve around the quarterback. So a very exciting time. I do want to talk about Red Sox. I really do. And I'm not going to dive too, 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 too much into it. But I definitely do want to talk about the Red Sox because as much as I love this team, as much as I love this effing team, it's so sad. It's so sad. And listen, they could pull off a 2013 Red Sox, sign all these veterans, and make a deep run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. I really don't think so. But the fact that the Red Sox organization and front office and upper management think that this team is going to be all right, that they're going to be in a good spot, just blinds me. It's just so blinding. It's just I feel like it just makes absolutely no sense to me. You lost your number one, okay, maybe number two player in Alexander Bogarts. And his pseudo-replacement, Trevor Story, is also going to miss a ton of time. So, you are going to have your super utility man play full-time shortstop? Listen, I'm not going to say Kike Hernandez isn't capable of playing shortstop because he more than, more than is. But I just, when I think of a shortstop, right, I think of a guy who's in the lineup 150 or so times a season, who only plays shortstop and shortstop only, who is the foundation of your team, your Alexander Bogarts, your Derek Jeters, your Nomar Garcia-Pars, your Alex Rodriguez with, with the Mariners and the Rangers, right? Like those kind of guys. You just put them at position number six and forget about them. Now listen, if something comes up or a player needs a day off, whatever, Kike is typically the number one person you look to to kind of bounce around the field. And you kind of make Christian Arroyo that too, and that really did not work out all too well. Like, yeah, I do like the signings of Brandon Drury, um, Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin. You brought back uh, James Paxton, Chris Sales coming back. So, I mean, there is some optimism. 
there's some. I just, again, I don't see it. I'm not buying it. I'm really not. And again, I hope, I hope, I hope I'm proven wrong. And I could be. But as it stands right now, I'm going to hold my breath and say that this Red Sox team doesn't win 80, 80 games. And I, I know I think like a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, the Red Sox, they're not even going to win 70 games. Listen, that might be, that could be a very, very well true fact. <laughs> it really could be. Um, I'm just trying to pull up the standings real quick. My God, it's taking so damn long. Just, there we go, finally. So, like, the Orioles won 83 games last year. Are you better than the Orioles this year right now? Because the Orioles did not get worse. If anything, their young players developed. They have a little bit of MLB experience. Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson. Did you get better? I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I think you got worse, quite frankly. It'll be interesting to see. It really, really, really will be interesting to see. I mean... Four of those teams in the AL East could win 90 games. Really could. And I don't think you're one of them in all honesty. So as much as I'm excited for baseball and as much as I'm oh so thrilled that baseball season's on the horizon, it's hard for me to get excited for this Red Sox team. It really is. I just don't see it. I just do not see it. They went 43 and 38 at home. You have to do better than that. You did 35. You were 35 and 46 on the road. Clearly have to do better than that. And like, can you keep up with teams like the Astros, who are seemingly a 100 win team every year? Can you keep up with the Mariners, who are going to be a threat in the American League this year? Maybe to the Astros in the West, but a threat in the American League. Can you keep up with the Guardians, who won 92 games almost out of nowhere? But the Twins, they've made some improvements. The White Sox, you'd like to think, made some improvements, although they lost Liam Hendrickson. I don't know. I don't know. But before we even look at the other divisions, you have to look at the Yankees. Are you better? No. Are you better than the Blue Jays? No. Are you better than the Rays? No. Orioles? Probably not. And only three wildcard teams are going to get in. Only three wildcard teams will get in. And we haven't even looked at the National League yet, which is by and far better than you. By and far better than you. It's it's going to be an important, important rest of the offseason for the Red Sox. I know there's only like a couple weeks left. But it's also going to be an extremely crucial spring training to really try to find the correct pieces to put together for this puzzle that we're calling the 2023 season. Because if the Red Sox get off to a slow start like they did last year, and they're just like ten and twenty, or you know fifteen and and thirty, there's no hope. There's going to be absolutely no hope. And again, I said it earlier today, and I'll say it again: teams go through hot stretches, they go through cold stretches. They start off hot, they start off cold. It happens. It happens. It happens. But when your division has three potentially ninety win teams potentially a fourth and you're not one of them it's going to be a tough 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 uphill battle especially where the calendar has you playing every single team this year so you're going to be playing the atlanta braves the reigning al east champion you are going to be playing the new york mets 
team that just has unlimited money. You're going to be playing a team like the Cardinals, who although they lost Pujols in Molina, seem like they got better. You're going to be playing against the Dodgers, who won 111 games last year, and the Padres, who, oh, by the way, took your shortstop. We'll have Tatis coming back, I think, in May, and also seemingly got better. So it's just like it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Before I wrap up this conversation, I just wanted to quickly, quickly talk about where the Red Sox ranked in the wild card race. So the three wild card teams that got in were the Orioles, Mariners, and the I'm sorry, no wait, the the Rays, Orioles, and Mariners. Excuse me, Rays, Orioles, Mariners. Those are your three teams that got in as a wild card team, right? This is like almost ass backwards. Uh, let's see, Yankees were yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's it's like not in order of. It has Yankees, Rays, Guardians, Astros. Like, it's what kind of order are we in here? <laughs> I guess by winning. Per- no, it's not by winning percentage. All right, whatever. Rays, Orioles, Mariners were your three teams that got in. Right? No, Orioles didn't get in. Blue Jays got in. Why are the Orioles ahead of the Blue Jays? Okay, so the Blue Jays got in. I remember that. The Mariners got in. I remember that. And the Rays got in. Okay, I remember that. Oh, that was so damn complex. So teams that were better than you that didn't get in were the Orioles, the White Sox, and the Twins. I don't think you're better than the Orioles. I don't think you're better than the White Sox. I don't think you're better than the Twins. So where does that rank you? I don't know. I do not know where that ranks you. So only time will tell. But that will wrap it up for today's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, episode number 179. I really hope you enjoyed this broad, uh, not broad, this vast discussion of Celtics, Brady, football, and of course the Red Sox as we just finished wrapping up. Thank you guys so much for joining me for episode number 179 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really appreciate you downloading and listening and enjoying on all audio-only platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, wherever you can listen to your podcast, wherever you find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So again, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. So thank you again for tuning in there. If you want to reach out to me via social media, you're more than welcome to at Murph's Cartown. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, Facebook. Again, that's at Merce Cartown. That is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Please stay warm. Don't get blown away and enjoy the weekend with whatever your plans and endeavors may be. I will catch you for the next one where we talk about the Eagles and Chiefs in Super Bowl 57. Almost a very, very hated Super Bowl matchup. But you know what? We still have to talk about it, and someone is still going to win. But between now and then, guys, you know that I love you, and I will always, always see you.